Welcome back to The Consequences Podcast with Paul McNulty and Sean McCreevy. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Paul and I are thrilled to death tonight because we have a very special guest. Not only an art director, designer, retoucher, whatever that is, video producer, <laughs> an estate agent to the rich and famous, and rock god, Mr. Lalo Cream. Welcome. <laughs> That's a very generous introduction. Thank you. I thought maybe you were talking about somebody else then. <laughs> no, it's great to have you here, Lalo. And, and, um, yeah, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me along. Yeah, thank well, you for joining us. And uh, we, obviously, we, we, we're going to be talking a little bit of, of 10cc Godly and Cream yeah, n- yeah. nurse. But... We're both really interested about your own career because we've been doing a lot of listening over the last week or so um, to stuff that we, I confess, we hadn't really ventured into before. And we'll talk about Arcana shortly. We both really, really love that stuff. And um, we love what what you've put down on tape over the years. And um, I suppose as a starting point, I'd love to ask you, where did those great guitar chops originate? What was your inspiration? From when I can remember, there was always guitars lurking around in the house. Um, and some pretty spectacular ones at that. Um, mm. But I wasn't interested in picking one up. Um, and... When I was probably around 13, 14, actually maybe even later than that, about 14, we had a little pool table next to my room and I used to put music on in my room on this fab old 70s sound system. (laughs) Um, And I remember kind of air guitaring with the pool cue along to like riff tracks, you know. and eventually I thought, well, maybe I should actually pick up a real guitar uh, and trade in the pool cue for an actual guitar. Mm. And obviously there, there was potential to do that because there was a couple of nice guitars around. And the one that I gravitated towards mostly was uh, Les Paul Goldtop. And mm. uh, I just always, I always fancied the hell out of it because it was just a beautiful thing and it's yes. always been my favourite looking guitar. But... Um, it took a while before I wanted to to actually pick one up and play it. Um, and then my dad was filming a um, charity event at Nebworth. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So I dragged one of my best friends along, and we went to go to the uh, the the pre setup, you know, the pre production day, yeah. which was um, the night before the gig, and we had all this mad access everywhere and um pink floyd did a sound check at night god and there were maybe 30 people on the lawn at nebworth Mm. watching a pink floyd concert and it was it was wild and then the next day 
the crowd came in and we had access to the fence that separated the crowd from the stage. Mm. That's one of two times I've had that experience where I'm on the edge and watching both perspectives. Mm. Okay. And Robert Plant was playing. He was doing a show. He was doing a few songs. Um, and I didn't know who he was. I, I had no idea. <laughs> At that stage, I wasn't, I hadn't delved into the masters of guitar rock, you know. Um, yeah. And he goes, all right, I'd like to bring on an old friend of mine now. And Jimmy Page walked on with a cherry red Les Paul. And the crowd's reaction almost knocked us off the fence. The, just the, 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 the vibe and the air that came out of the crowd wow. was, it was physical. Mm. Um, and this guy started playing and something just went in my head. <laughs> I was like, I, I need that. I'm a I muser. That. <laughs> I need to know how to do some of that. Yeah. I was just mesmerized by this guy that I'd never heard of before. That was it. I just I started practicing in earnest, and I used to listen to Led Zeppelin riffs uh, with a CD machine because you could skip backwards and forwards really easily. Mm. And I would just copy and copy and copy and copy. And so I would say I have to give it to Jimmy Page for the main kind of inspiration. But then Lowell, he got involved. I'm going to call him Lowell now okay. instead of Dad. All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, he. We've been calling him Lowell for nearly two years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He um, helped me out with some of my starter riffs, ah. which was great. He gave me the um, uh, Peter Gunn. Ding, 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 ding. And, you know, I loved that. Um, <laughs> and showed me a few, like, Dwayne Eddy chords and some basic stuff. And then I just I just went from there. And by the time I was 16, 15, 16, I was skateboarding and playing guitar was all I wanted to do. Oh, fantastic. And we'll, we'll touch on skateboarding shortly as well, particularly with, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you work in the band. So any, um, did you have a go at the Wall Street Shuffle riff? Was that one of the ones your dad taught you? I don't think I did, actually, but I, I, I'm i more of an art for art's sake riff kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I probably skimmed a, across it once in a while, uh, um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd just sit in my bed when everyone else had gone to sleep and just play, and then I'd turn the light off and see if I could still play, and you know, I mean, yeah, I was definitely a riffy kind of guy, I didn't want to get into the whole, like, widdly-waddly, widdly No, stuff. absolutely, and it sounds like you, 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 your heroes were kind of the really accepted kind of gods, the legends of the guitar, but... How much yeah. of, of Lowell's musical legacy was, was an influence on you musically, do you think? It wasn't. Um, uh, I think I avoided it, if anything. Um, there mm. was a sort of sense of embarrassment. Um, <laughs> like, I, would, I was happier playing when just my mum was in the house than when they were both in the house. Because <laughs> I just you, you just know that they've had this epic career 
and that they're masters of their craft, it's very hard to um, attempt to enjoy that in the same way as you would if you were doing it from scratch and it was just your baby. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yes. And the same goes for listening to music. Like, if I put a record on and I knew it was by a friend of my dad's, that felt icky as well. It felt <laughs> weird, you know? It just did. It, it, um, I mean, it's silly, but I would try and seek out things that were more unique. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until later that I started getting interested in what they had done as a band. Um, okay, I and mean, we and, could talk about and, that you know, a, little, a little later, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, a really, that's a really interesting perspective because so few of us are in that position. I've never really thought of it like that. Mm. So you gravitated towards other types of guitar music. But you, you, you must have worked damn hard because i mean you mentioned i'm really surprised to hear you say that you only started when you were like 15 because very quickly you're clearly a very accomplished player and by the you were playing professionally by the age of what 18 19 what you yeah. before oh it was before actually when i was right. 16 i did the wow. dueling guitar solos with jeff beck on the um tv show theme tune. on every on everybody up yeah yeah. Right, and so yeah, so you wrote that riff, didn't you? I wrote that riff, and and um, Trevor was producing it, and Jeff Beck <laughs> showed up and wanted right. to play it, and I was like, "Fucking okay, oh, that's mental!" And we'd done the demo up at Hook End Manor, and when when I was informed that Trevor had left some of my sort of soloing in with Jeff Beck's. Right. I, I was like, well, where the fuck do I go from here? Like, there's, the only way is down. <laughs> 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 that was a thrill beyond a thrill. No, I mean, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, I was I was blown away. Brilliant. Glam metal detectives look like a lot of fun, actually. Were you involved in a lot of the tracks there? Yeah, I, was, I think I was involved in all of them because we we went up there and just locked ourselves into Hook End, which in itself is was a major major treat because that is the archetypal like pile of bricks in the middle of the countryside <laughs> with a luxury studio that's big enough for 20 horses um and and we had so much fun doing that actually it was a real good laugh uh, there was a there was a few covers and a few originals and yeah. uh you know my dad and i were playing together and it was yeah and having trevor producing is always a treat you know um big big hero then, of mine Lalo. oh he's great isn't he yeah. the stuff that he's done is mind-blowing yeah, and what was it? And then, Tell us more about being in the studio with uh, with Trevor producing. Well, it's it's actually um, it, it's you feel very relaxed, really. Um, even though the pressure's on to perform, because mm. you do have to be on it uh, mm. when you're working with him, because he doesn't really. You just the, you won't make it on the record if it's not up to scratch. Mm. Um, but he's yeah. got he's got such an authoritative. It's the experience that he's got. He's just he's just great at knowing what should be done, and obviously he's not afraid to experiment. 
you know, he's gone over budget many, many times <laughs> from just going round and round and experimenting with different noises and different sounds and different approaches. But he, he does it for a good reason. And, <laughs> you know, he's he's just one of those great producers that knows to make a great record, you've got to have the right people doing it. Yeah. You know, there are a couple of stoners, my dad and Trev, they, they'll light up big giant spliffs and, <laughs> and, you know, just get in the zone. And um, it, 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 it was it was great. And they go off into stories, you know, like out <laughs> from forever. These stories that just go on and unfold for very lengthy periods of time. And you're just sitting there uh, waiting for your turn to do something. And... Oh, I loved it up there at Hookend. It was so awesome. I mean, like 16th century mansion in, in Henley. Um, wow. Oh, with yeah. With all staff, you know, people cooking you breakfast, lunch and dinner and pool tables and a snooker table and um, the grounds that you can stroll around. Yeah. Uh, it was just... How wonderful. Oh, it was, it was delightful. It was the most British kind of studio situation you can <laughs> think mm. of, you know. So part of it's Elizabethan and part of it's Georgian and part of it's uh, Victorian. And of course, part of it, because Dave Gilmore lived here in the 70s, Dave Gilmore from Pink Floyd, part of it's kind of rock star 70s. And in the 60s, a guy called Alvin Lee, who used to play guitar with 10 years after, had this place. And he was the first person to start using this barn area that is now the studio. It, it, back then, it was a dairy. And he started to use it to record and to rehearse uh, 10 years after. And what, what other projects did you record there, Lalo? Do you remember? Um, no. Uh, I did. Uh, I went there with. Um, just to do a, pro a production with another artist. I can't remember their name, but I, I have used the studio a few times. And sometimes I've been there just to kind of film mm. um, and, and record them doing their things. Um, I think that was the main one, though. That glam metals thing was the, the one where I spent the most time there. And then I think so when they were trying to do their own Trevor and Lowell, doing some of the Trevor Horn band sort of stuff. Yeah. I think I was there recording some of that for that first album that they put out. And so the videoing and documenting, you know. You skinny little bastard. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some thought that you cared. Yeah, <laughs> the guy in Metal Detective then, was that really just the, the three of you? Or what, 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 what was the personnel on the album? It's a bit unclear what... what the... Yeah, and it's unclear to me as well. Jamie, <laughs> there, there was the, the, the musical director was a guy called Jamie, I forget his name, but he was just one of those wildly talented um, musicians who could program as well mm. okay. and you'd hear him he'd be walking down a corridor coming towards you going and he'd go off and then you know half an hour later that would be in the computer coming back <laughs> at you and sounding <laughs> right um 
it was basically just the few of us, Trevor, Lowell, me, um, I think Tim Widener was the engineer, um, and Jamie doing our, our musical direction. And then eventually, after we had the demos done, the whole cast of the show came along. Hmm. Um, right. And, and they did, like, vocals and, and <laughs> sang on our music, and that was hilarious as well, because yeah. they were a right bunch of thespos, you know, yeah. like, hilarious. Yeah. Half comedians, half actors, and, and that was really neat too. What's that? Our record's gone to number one in London, England. Well, that's good, because we're playing there next week. Wannabe performers. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so um, who was, was it uh, Phil Cornwall who played the... Yes, yes, exactly. He was hilarious. <laughs> he was, I just remember him being fucking funny. Um, can, he, can he really play the drums, or was he just miming on the TV show and stuff like that? I do not know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could be accurate and tell you, but I've got no idea. Yeah. That was thirty years ago. That was. I know oh, it's no. a, it's crazy, isn't it? I love that yeah. whole ramshackleness of it, Layla. You know, um, the yeah. show was ramshackle. Um, it, was. It, it was like the Far Show. I don't know if you've seen the Far Show. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That kind of bang, 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 bang sort of madness, and the music was madness as well. It was like a yeah. a sort of montage of nutsness. Yeah. It was, what was it? A comic strip thing? Is that what it was? It was. Yeah. Strip? Yeah. 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 E exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Where did. The Tom Jones video fit in with all of this later. That is you, isn't it? It is you in the video. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, so we we had moved to Los Angeles at that point. Mm. I had finished school and I... And you'd been in Leatherhead, is that right? I'd been in Leatherhead. I grew up in Leatherhead. Um, and then we had moved to LA. I'd finished school and I didn't want to go to college. Mm. didn't want to go to university. Uh, I, I didn't really like the educational system and I, 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 I had the opportunity to go out to California and, and and so I did because mostly because of skateboarding and the <laughs> roots of skating and I just thought that's my mecca that's where I've got to go um, so I did Trevor had taken on the Tom Jones gig if I remember rightly and sent a backing track out to my dad's house and he had a little studio um, in the house there uh, and he would do music to the commercials that he was directing right mm. that's why he mm -hmm. had the studio yes because he did he directed tv spots and commercials and then he would do the music himself for them all okay right he'd bring in an engineer and and sit there and record trevor sent over the track from tom jones and i jumped on and did those power chords you know and um a little bit of widdly stuff and it, and it stayed in. Um, and then we I think Trevor had asked Lowell if he might be interested in doing the music video. And we're walking around the Hollywood Hills thinking of ideas for the video and we saw a dog on a <laughs> rope 
thing so that it could get from one end of the yard to yeah. another. And I think I think Lowell just in whatever state of mind he was in, yeah. Yeah. he um, he's like, what if that could like you know go everywhere and 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 like the dog could go and visit friends and you know and, and so it was it, it, it all led on from that walk in the hills and he made it happen and then he made me be the <laughs> the, be the, the guitar in god in <laughs> yeah yeah um, and then Tom came over to um, LA to film his parts for the video and I remember him they were like what kind of dancing can you still do and he's like oh well, <laughs> he could still do a 360 was his you know big thing so he was able to do that and then you know it just <laughs> took off from there and it really sort of made me a more sort of known entity as far as playing guitar yeah. and people were recognizing me it was something that i could it was a calling card for me um that whole project no it's fantastic and had you already already met ollie jacobs at this point no that was pre-ollie um so i was still living in los angeles at that point and then um i went home to london not long after that um because i just got sick of the Los Angeles lifestyle and the people who yeah, I had my lovely friends out there but most of the people out there were just such a bunch of scumbags <laughs> and so I, I left I was like I need to go home I need to go back to London so I did and here's, um, here's sarcasm at that root source yeah and then when I got back to London I, 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 I went straight into um, doing more work with Trevor not much but some um, enough to stay sort of in the scene in London and I did the Rod Stewart I did some guitar on a Rod Stewart album And then I was sort of asking them, their publishing company, Perfect Records, mm. that's Trevor's publishing company. I was asking them what else I could get involved in. Um, and that's when they said, well, there's this studio on Beethoven Street. It's called Rollover. Mm. And there's a kid there who's just had a lot of success produce, uh, mixing um, Left Field's album. Uh, Ollie, Jay, go and see him. Uh, I think they've got some work for you. So mm. I went over there and introduced myself and I, I did a session with Ollie for I don't know what record it was. He was just doing Peter Andre, actually, I think. Mysterious yeah, Girl, this... yeah, that's right. Yeah, he had a piece of that, it. didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were having a hit with that. Um, and it was giving him enough time to work on his own project. So I did a session for him. We got on really well. And then him and his friend James Barnett were doing a demo called House on Fire. And I I play I was into doing guitars I was into effects um and making the guitar sound a bit unusual if I could. I remember I had a little Marshall amp, a little portable Marshall amp, and then I had um some of the old seventies Mutron pedals. Mm. Um I had an octave divider and a wah, both by Mutron. Um, 
and um, using them with a bit of distortion, I could make my guitar sound somewhat like a sort of 303, you know, bass line, acid line. <laughs> um, and Ollie and James were like, wow, cool. It doesn't even sound like a guitar. Great. Um, and I played on the demo, and within a week or two, we were signed to WEA. Get on, like on Can't complain. Yeah, that's right. amazing. So you were in at the uh, in at the ground there. The three of you were the band at that stage, and and yeah. then Sebastian came on board at that yeah. point or later. Um, it was when so the album making that album Fresh Meat was an extremely taxing project um, because we opted not to bring in a producer. I was going to ask who Ollie, produced it because it's so brilliantly produced. Ollie, Ollie produced it. Okay. Right. right. And and he is a very particular type of chap. Um, <laughs> okay. And I'm not joking when I he would spend hours and hours just on the, the hi hat. Hi hat noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the, right. I mean, forget about the actual writing of the song. Mm-hmm. He would spend hours on the tone of a hi-hat. <laughs> and so it took us like a year to get that album done by wow. ourselves. And That's when it amazing because it sounds a, a very fresh record, to be honest. Like it's... like it, I mean, and That's a compliment, you know. It's like It feels yeah. like it's yeah. kind of banged together. It's got the energy. Yeah. I'm amazed I, by I that. I don't know how because it, it, it just... It went on for ever and during the winter months we never saw daylight we would be working in the studio in a bunker during the hours where the sun was up and by the time we were done and wanted to go and get something to eat or go outside it was night and and we existed like these vampires for months And it went on forever and ever. And eventually we had to say, look, we just got to say this is done. Um, I think we, Ollie would have carried on happily. (laughs) (laughs) By the end of of it, we were so worn out and just tired and exhausted. But then we had to get ready to perform live. And, Mm. you know. So you never had performed live at that point. Is that right? No. Never. Wow. Okay. Thing live. No. But it's a a fascinating thing. I mean, I'd like to come on to the second album, but the first album struck me as a kind of a a hybrid. You mentioned your obsession with with skateboarding before. Was was this a deliberate kind of hybrid of skate punk and sort of the more electro prodigy type stuff? For me, it was a hundred percent. I wanted to do something that was completely not traditional uh, and I was obsessed with um, Primal Scream and mm. you know those kinds EMF-y of EMF-y type stuff yeah EMF Primal Scream uh, and then going back to like um, some of the early stuff where they were playing with synths and live stuff you know um, mm-hmm. What human leaguey type stuff? That human early league, uh, and and like you know here in my car and all of yeah. that kind of stuff, where there was clearly a live drummer, 
Yes. But yeah. it had a techno sort of feel to it. Mm. Yeah. I was obsessed with that. Like Donna <laughs> Summer, I mean, I feel love. That kind of thing just freaked me out. And then when Primal Scream started mixing guitars with the more like loops. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was 100% in, and and so that's what I was hoping to sort of achieve with Arcana, and we got a little bit of that in there. There's no live drums on that album. Oh, um, right. And, um, very you, few, you, anyway. You mean Sebastian played it, but it was all looped and sampled? Is that right? Or no, because he didn't come on until we decided we had to go live. Mm. Oh, I see. Okay. So when we started saying, okay, it's time to go and do gigs, we auditioned drummers at that point. Because we knew we needed live drums. It had to be. There was yeah. no other way. I mean, as techno as it was, we had to have live drums. It looks live. shit without live drums, doesn't it? Terrible, terrible. And it is shit without live drums. <laughs> There's no vibe at mm. all. Mm. Uh, mm. And whenever whenever anyone asks me these days, do you want to do some, you know, do you want to do some jamming or some gigging? And the first question I ask is, well, who's playing drums? <laughs> and can they fucking play? Because without <laughs> it, you're lost. Totally lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, drummer is so, the yeah. most important person in the band. It's the starting point, yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah. So we auditioned, and Bid was a clear winner. Just a clear winner. He had been gigging with Edwin Starr all across oh, Europe. Oh my goodness! So okay. he was a seasoned guy, but he was hilarious as well. He was super nice and super funny, and I just, I, I clicked with him so, so quickly. Um, and he brought another level of excitement to, to it. And then we were able to go and do gigs and then it all became fun. And, and how did you how did you go then from not gigging to having that amazing following in Indonesia, Vietnam, over that there? How, how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a surprise to every one of us. Um, right. We had toured England, mm -hmm. and it wasn't doing much. And then you did, we you did have a hit though. I mean, House we did, of Wild, we did. And, yeah, and, yeah. and a few people came to see us, but it wasn't. You know, it was like, huh, okay, yeah, kind of fun, right. you know. Yeah, yeah, okay. A couple of good <laughs> old unis here and there, you know, that sort of <laughs> yeah. thing. Yeah. And then um, Europe, and we did better in Europe. It seemed to be progressively better the longer we toured. Um, so by the time we got to Australia, we'd done some pretty decent gigs. Like, I think Benny Kasim had 20,000 people at it. Mm. Um, and they had actually come out to see us, which was nice. Mm -hmm. um, we got to Australia and everyone was freaking out and, it, and we were proper pop stars in Australia. We really were. At that point, we felt like we were pop stars because <laughs> yeah. girls were just like going crazy for us and we were doing two nights at the same venues and the, the venues were packed and it was awesome. The gigs Brilliant. were great. And they warned us that shit was real in Indonesia. They were like, no, <laughs> things, are, things are really serious in Indonesia. And we were like, yeah, no. We didn't believe it. Didn't believe yeah. it. And we got there and it was true. It was, it was intense. We were like being hunted by groupies and girls <laughs> and, and packs, packs of teenage girls trying to 
claw at us and like take things from us. Yeah. <laughs> it was mental. Wow. We had decoy cars and we had to come into the hotel through the kitchens and I mean the whole Oh proper hard days night stuff. Brilliant. It was exactly exactly <laughs> like that. Yeah. I mean if you think that maybe is fictional, it's not. That's what it's like. And it's yeah. and sometimes it's quite terrifying because yeah. you, you feel like they're gonna go over the top and actually hurt you and your friends. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and then you're and then you're trapped. I mean, you're there and you can't. Re- you're stuck in a hotel room. Most we of were stuck time. in a hotel. We had the entire top floor of a hotel, and you know, occasionally we would pop down just to fuck with the fans, you know, and, and <laughs> spring out from corners and then run away again. And we we really made the most of it. And our bodyguards were having like panic attacks because we would sl- slip them. And 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 run off, especially Bid and I. Um, it, it was it was genius. And then the gig we did there in Jakarta, we apparently we broke the venue, some classic old venue. All the kids jumping up and down. Oh, yeah, fabulous. Floor. Yeah, they had to like close it off. Um, it was wild. It was true. It was truly what it's. How wonderful. Aim what you're aiming for when yeah. you start out. Yeah, and Definitely. you were what then? Were you were sort of 20, 21? Or yeah, yeah, it was about so, 20, something like that. Yeah. About, about the right age for it to happen, I suppose. <laughs> I'd say, <laughs> same, Layla, was this was this the inspiration for you coming up with that wonderfully mainstream poppy second album, which I absolutely love, by the way. Thank I, you. I, I I think this the family album is superb. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I I think a lot of there's obviously a clear difference between the two albums. Yeah. And the main difference is that I think we tried to sit down and write songs together more with the second album Mm -hmm. and we had a drummer Um, so instead of just banging around on loops all the time and coming up with those kind of grooves we were able to sit down with a drum kit and really sort of flesh them out Mm -hmm. as we went along and yeah I I mean I don't know it just it, it came together pretty pretty easily compared to the first one um it was nice. It was it was a nice departure from that full on techno vibe and and being able to do some more like hooky songs. Here yeah, and there. these yeah. are these are proper proper songs, aren't they? With yeah, the, the, some, some of them have got that kind of handsomeness, and I don't mean that as an insult. Do you know no, what I mean? That right. very very immediate pop. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very very difficult skill to um, yeah. to, to master, no, and they're so I, immediately I songs. A lot of that, a, a lot of the process for that was really enjoyable. Um, sadly, though, it just didn't really um, hit home anywhere particularly. And and really, once we'd finished that album, it it was kind of the beginning of uh, the dissolvement of that oh. project. But life is life is free. Did something, didn't it? Out out east. Yeah, yeah. I guess we went. Did we go back? I can't remember. 
I, I, I read somewhere that it was the number one radio tune in Southeast Asia. Oh, that's quite a that's quite that's a good, achievement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a worthy hit because I love those kind of Chili's riffs that you're doing on mm-hmm. that one. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. fun that it really was it was an epic chapter in my life and yeah. it seems like a different life it really does mm. I, I bet Pre- yeah. presumably uh, Lalo you have you haven't had anything to do with the reactivation of the band is that right is that the other guys or some of the that's other correct. guys that's correct that's Ollie and and whoever else sure. is doing it with him um, and well, you know best of luck is what I yeah. said I, I, I'm thrilled that he's still doing it you know it's great yeah absolutely so you weren't involved in in the president of indonesia inviting you back over for the, no, the kind the of reunion would, tour would not have invited me back at any point uh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did you get from from that to your new career of being a, a realtor i believe they say in america that's what they say oh my god he's a and, uh, I, and you are the you've got to be the hippest realtor on the west coast apartment <laughs> Apart from maybe maybe Phil Dunphy, who's the only other realtor that I've heard of on Modern Family, you know, he's, he's operating. Oh, yeah. he's, he's operating lower down the coast, but he, you know, you, apart from him, I think you've got to be, have the most unique uh, sort of presentation of any any realtor I've seen. I'm the cool dad. That's that's my thing. I'm hip. I, I surf the web. I text. LOL. Laugh out loud. OMG. Oh my God. WTF. Why the face? Hello and welcome. My name is Lalo Cream and I am a real estate broker in Seattle, Washington. Never before has this country been so brutally divided about you know what. Are we going to brine the turkey for this year's Thanksgiving dinner or not? Let's find out. No, 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 no. I don't know what brining is. Yeah. I have been noted for my <laughs> real estate videos across yeah, the entire nation now like there's yes. all these facebook groups of realtors uh, and they're huge groups and yes i keep on getting nominated for one to watch and, and uh. weirdest weirdest real estate person and you know uh, yeah. yeah so almost as soon as i got in the business i started getting noted by other um professionals which was great I don't know how I got to this point. I mean, it's mm. so weird. So I, I tried to do some songwriting and some production work after Arcana, and then I got into video editing pretty heavily, mm-hmm. and did some freelance video editing, and then my ex-wife came to Seattle from London to set up... To be, She became the creative director of a nail polish company called Butter London. Oh, yeah, I saw some, some lovely work you'd done for those. Thank you. Uh, so she had me visit... Um, I would visit every once in a while, and while I was visiting, I would knock out artwork for their brand. Mm. Um, and then, and then she got pregnant. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I shut London down, and I moved here permanently twelve years ago. And uh, I continued doing graphic design and art direction for like a decade, um, all in the cosmetics industry, more or less, um, which was cool, but. I don't know if you can tell, but I don't wear a lot of makeup. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just kind of grew 
disenfranchised with being in that industry. As yeah. fun as it was, working with all the wonderful ladies that I've worked with in that world, mm. um, I was like, I don't, I don't know. And then I stopped and I took a, about six months to a year off looking for something else to do. Um, and then I couldn't find anything else to do. <laughs> and um, and I didn't. I just didn't get any excitement from the graphic stuff anymore. Right. None of the jobs that were being posted in Seattle felt like fun to me. So a friend of a friend said, "You would be good at real estate because yeah, you're you're a salesman, a natural yeah, yeah charisma. You're good at connecting with people." And yeah. I was like, "Oh yeah, all right, I'll do that." And so I got my <laughs> license and have been doing that, and it's super fun because. You know, unbeknownst to many people who think about real estate, like most of it is about getting a brand going for yourself mm-hmm. yeah. and finding people who want to buy or sell houses. Um, and so I'm able to flex a few of those old creative muscles in my branding for myself, hmm. which is more fun than doing it for anyone else. Yeah, it's a lot yes. of fun watching some of those videos, Lalo. It's, it's, it's quirky. <laughs> yeah. Very, very English, and it's refreshingly English, if I may yes, say I so. Yes, I take a lot of um, reference from the young ones, and yeah. um, even <laughs> like things like Morph. Do you remember Morph? Oh, absolutely. Of course, yeah. yeah. Right. Tony Hart. I mean, it's yeah. that sort of level of stupidity is. Yeah, there's I'm some at. lovely slapstick in there. Where have you been then? Well, I've been somewhere a bit smelly. You'll never guess where. Oh, I bet I know where. Really? Yeah. Well, go on then. Try and have a guess. The toilet. Oh. And yeah, it's not like the usual slick crap that you see. It's not glossy, is it? No, not at all. Stay away from the gloss. But I mean, it's yeah. It's the hardest thing about it is making myself do it. Once I'm doing (laughs) it, then I'm happy. But I do have a problem with motivation. Yeah, absolutely. But I think um, any anyone listening who, who fancies kind of venturing into the into the Lalo stuff should have a look at your website to be honest and and have yeah. a look down at the video stuff and there's some real fun things like the the Lalo show was really oh, yeah. was that a pitch for a like a kids tv show I never really pitched it I, I should have done it was it was just that my daughter had all these toys around and well like, like and crap I... basil brush yeah, I mean, it was like, there's, I, I just wanted to do something for my kid, really, just yeah. to entertain her, and to entertain myself, obviously. Um, and so I did a couple of them, and I, they're still with me to this day. That, that they're over oh, there. I can see Basil over oh, yeah. there, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, lurking. Basil, Basil, bro. <laughs> ba- basil. Yeah, they're, they're, I had those puppets made by a company in England. Um, oh. I thought I would do loads with them. I was like, yes, this is it. I'm going to do a YouTube channel. I'm going to make <laughs> one of these every week. It's going to be brilliant. And I never did. Of course I didn't. Cheese dreams are the best dreams. Wish I had them every night. Eat some cheese at bedtime, then turn off the bedroom light. Alternate find, universe, Lalo. I'll tell you what, I find something really... I don't know if it's from being influenced by the fact that Lowell was always with Kevin or that I have always done well working with others, but when I'm on my own, it's hard to get moving and hard to get things going. Mm. I love working with other people, and um, when I'm all on my own, it's hard to get traction. Yeah. Yeah. Do you you think, I mean, you're... 
in those little throwaway musical segments you make, the chops are still there. I just, <laughs> I, are you, are you, do you, do you see yourself going back into music full full time at some stage? I can't imagine it, really. Okay. I mean, oh. come on, why not? Well, well, he's got to earn a living, you know. I've got to earn a living, <laughs> and you know, it's. It's all about finding the right people, isn't it? Agreed. Um, and you've just said that yourself. You've got to find the right bunch of people to you've collaborate got to find with. Find the right crew. Yeah. Starting with a good drummer. <laughs> <laughs> um, and How it, true. It's not as easy. Um, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it's really fucking easy. And all I have to do is talk <laughs> to a few people and network a bit more, and mm. I'd be in an, another band doing something. Right. But I have tried that before i have done the band thing and yeah, yeah it's it's a drain isn't it it's it's quite exhausting um yeah it can it can be uh, and, and it can be difficult to get out of i'm i'm always too nice to sack it yeah yeah saying no is really important isn't it when yeah. you when you learn to turn things down that's mm. when you start really enjoying life <laughs> <laughs> um it, so i'm not counting counting it out at all Paul I, w- I would like to do more music um, than I'm doing right now mm-hmm. um, but yeah until I find the right people to play with it seems unlikely to happen sure but I do like, enjoy doing it on my own just like you know slapping down silly Silly riffs to silly beats. Yeah, yeah. just do, do you write com, do you write complete songs and lyrics on your own just for your fun for fun or no? Okay, because you're you're not a vocalist, are you? I know I know I you've said that yourself. Not. Yeah, <laughs> okay. No, I'm definitely not. And and it, I can't well, we, sing we, and play at the same time. Neither. <laughs> I, I, I've trained myself to do it for working in Arcana. Right. Okay. But um, it's really really hard for me. Uh, I'm always just gobsmacked when I see musicians who can, like, you know, the Paul McCartney's who can do such amazing in-the-pocket music and be singing something. And, I always, know. and especially bass. Well. Bass is kind of technically impossible, yeah. isn't it? It's like playing the flute. <laughs> playing the flute. You know, oh, I forgot to ask. I forgot to ask you, Layla. Did you play bass on the Arcana stuff? Because who, who, who played bass? Okay. I, I did occasionally. There's a couple of numbers where I did, but um, James was the main bass player. Uh, he was a guitarist, uh, a, a really skillful guitarist, but mm. he took on the duty of playing bass just for the good of the okay. order. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have to say, Lilo, you're probably the, the youngest person we've interviewed, actually, because yeah. in, inevitably with the 10cc story, you know, the protagonists are in their 70s or... Even yeah. even older, you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, but you get great stories, right? Oh yeah, it's it's incredible. I mean, we've we can't believe how this thing has grown, and everybody has been so forthcoming. I mean, we, as Sean said, we've spent hours talking to Graham, literally several hours, and you know, ironically, I suppose because of lockdown, he is a, a very you know he's a working musician who currently can't work. So yeah. we've we've been fortunate in that respect. Um, um, you know, we've we'd love to speak to Eric and Lowell, um, but you know that's their choice not to. And obviously, you know, father no, is a, get, a private a private guy, so I get asked quite often, especially through Facebook, 
would your dad be interested in this and that and this yes, and that? Yes, and yes. I yeah. always relay the message. Um, yeah, yeah, sure, it's sure. Always the same polite decline, you know, and he, yeah. he, he just, yeah, it's very rare that he wants to do anything like that. And it's a shame because he's got some blinding stories to tell. Well, also his artistic contribution. I mean, obviously the four guys were so brilliantly balanced. It was an incredible yeah. creative partnership. I will say, Lol has always said in interviews that he has done, it's the doing, it's the creative process. And then I move on to the next thing. And he always seems to be very true to his word about that. He doesn't, yes, that's, that's he doesn't right. go back retrospectively, whereas yeah. some the other guys to a greater or lesser extent do. Well, actually, and, even I don't hear that much about his days in the seventies. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. And I was very sheltered from what he was doing when I was little. I didn't know really? that my dad was a musician or a pop star or anything like that. He right. Kept it well low key. Um, That's nice. Um, yeah. I would that hear was... more about him from schoolmates. You know. Right. Hmm. Right. Saw your dad on Terry Wogan last night. <laughs> 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 I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. That's that's nice though that they wanted to have that air of normalcy in the house. Yeah, and they obviously yeah. thought carefully about that. Yeah. So, yeah, so when did you kind of willingly willingly come into Lowell's musical universe, Layla? When did you kind of turn the corner and 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 actually start assessing what you'd done? Ah, that's a great question, and um, I supposed. It's been an ongoing process since I was about, you know, 17 or 18, something like that. Mm. Um, and I, I I look back on the days in the mid-80s when he had a studio at our house that mm. I grew up yeah. in. Um, and, you know, people would come over and there'd be music coming out of that room. Um, and obviously Kevin was there a lot and I was witnessing it all but unknowingly witnessing it um mm -hmm. and yeah when when i started getting into my own musical career that's when i started assessing what he'd been up to in the past and you know I'm, i did make a point of trying to downplay my relationship because i didn't want to be riding on the heels mm. or to be thought of as having the gig that I had because of of course who my dad was yeah mm. um, looking back I could have probably done better if I had used that leverage a little bit more um, but I, I I was very clear that I didn't want to be known as Lowell's boy mm -hmm. even though it was impossible to get away from we, we looked yeah. exactly the same when I was that age and when I had long hair <laughs> And yeah, people would hold up a photo of him in the seventies and me in the early nineties, and there was no difference. At yeah. All. <laughs> um, yeah. But when I first started playing guitar on records, I, I wanted it to be my thing as much as possible. Um, well, you've uh, definitely accomplished that without a doubt, because I mean, the success in Arcana I surely didn't bear any correlation with 10cc at all i don't think really and, I, and, and i imagine that that connection didn't register with your fan base at all did it it didn't and i had yeah, nothing sure. to worry about at all it was just being yeah. just, uh, it was just my own weird thing going on there <laughs> well we've all got weird things going on particularly when when you're the son of a of a famous musician you know i, yeah. I 
Absolutely. Yeah. What What do you look back in in Lowell's career and, and admire the most, Lalo? Are you Are you like us and like a secret admirer of of consequences? Uh, are there any ten cc or godly and cream things that you love or hate? Oh, I fucking love worst band in the world. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> records ever made um yes. yeah and, it's fabulous and um <laughs> uh i listen to that quite frequently and I, I i skip through you know some of the riffier songs quite often i love art for art's sake mm. that weird drum thing that's happening in the choruses there's yeah. sonic things going on in those records that yeah. are so advanced Eric so Eric good. we did a little bit of a, a geeky analysis of art for art's sake you won't be surprised to hear that um, <laughs> and I isolated this synth noise that yeah. either probably lol or, or Eric kind of or, or even Kevin had fed into the mix this dirty horrible grimy thing probably a moog sound yeah it's like moog noise that's kind of there in between the drum beats and i'm thinking yes it's amazing isn't it yeah it's great and and so i look i look on those pieces of business with great you know respect Mm. and um because it's hard to get away from being seen as plagiarising and copying things in the music industry at the moment. But back then, they were still at a stage where you could still be a bit original and it was your idea and your vibe, and I'm always impressed by that. Um, Yeah, and, and, you know, the video thing that they got into was astonishing as well. I mean, they pioneered that kind of artistic view of um, video accompaniment and, and... Obviously, that's sunk in with me. Yeah. Were, were you uh, yes. there on set on any of those? Yeah, quite a few of them. Yeah, I would, I would visit quite often. Um, um, most, probably most of them. I, I would say I was able to visit here and there. Fabulous. Any, there any, any stick in your mind? Um, uh, well, all those candles with um, every oh, breath. Oh, for Sting. Uh, mm. yeah. No, the, can- the candles was uh, wrapped around your finger. Oh, for was the, it? For the point. Yeah. yeah, that was mental. And I think oh, they <laughs> studio down a couple of times, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, and didn't yeah. they? It had to. They filmed everything re- speeded up, didn't they? So when it was played back, Sting was kind of prancing in slow motion. Yeah, but everything. I was remember playing. lots of prancing. <laughs> yeah, and then um, there was another one where the police were trying on their costumes and they were all super excited about their costumes. <laughs> and, and there's lots of stuff like that. Um, and then. Uh, there were other things where he would bring back video cassettes of like demos of things like the rocket stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bangkok. Whoa, yeah. that yeah. was freaky stuff. The raw footage of those things. <laughs> um, those yes. Robots, that was weird. Right. And then, of course, Girls on Film was like my favourite of all. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I had the extended version of that, which was basically mine. I, I was like, I'm having that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was a sort of 12 inch version of that that had more boobs in it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then occasionally I'd pop in on the edits and see the guys with all the levers and the buttons, and, you know, was kind of fascinated by that side of things 
there's a, all sorts of stuff that I think is amazing that they've done. Um, but if I had to pick one thing, yeah. I think it would be worst band in the world. <laughs> Good choice. <Yeah. laughs> it's got the loudest kick drum sound as well, isn't it? It's got, yeah, and it's and uh, it's, just, it's just hilarious and and brilliant and and groovy and yeah, it's totally it's, unique. Yeah. And, it, and of course, it's been in the news recently, hasn't it? With the with the lawsuit that's going through. Oh yeah, yeah. I have you, have you heard that. about this? No. Paul knows. Paul knows a bit more about this. Well, uh, J- Jay Diller, I think, is the artist's name, who's no longer with us, but he's a, he's a rapper who sampled. He sampled Johnny Don't Do It, but more significantly, uh, working on it as it was kind of retitled. Oh, yeah, was the lead track of his from his album Donuts, and that was a, a big track. And was it that in sent- a movie? Yes, it was in a Netflix movie, and I think it was at that stage that. Uh, the lawsuit came up. I'm not up, up, up to speed on what's happening with the lawsuit, but um, yeah, I mean, the track is, uh, say, sampled. That's being a bit generous. It essentially is worst <laughs> band in the world with yeah. a little bit of talking over the top, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, and it sounds as current now as it did in 74. It's, in, it's incredible, incredible piece of music. That when that came out, 74. Yeah, I know. It's quite it's stunning. Isn't my it? birth. Okay. Ah, okay. Yeah. Play me, buy me, working on it, working on it, working on it. Work it out, work it out, work it out, work it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I was just yeah that's saying... a sobering thought. And I was born in '64, so I feel well, even fucking older now. Well, no, I was saying, I was saying to Layla that he's the he's the youngest person that we've actually interviewed uh, by some by some measure. So uh, I hope that, that makes says you feel a lot. Young. Really? <laughs> yeah. Really. Yeah. Oh, Layla, really? I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to piece together random things in my mind. Hmm. I'm, I'm trying to kind of geographically locate Lol, and. We, Paul and I couldn't decide whether he's still in LA or is he back in Leatherhead? He? Well, what do you think? What's your guess? I think he's in Leatherhead, but I, I think he's in directed. LA. Oh, do you? You've split differences here. Yeah, yeah we so have. We, this oh, is wow. Artistic differences. He's in Leatherhead. Wow. Uh, okay. Points and has been for many years now. Has he? Yeah. yeah. Okay. He's in Leatherhead. If he's not in Leatherhead, he's in. Belsize Park at Trevor's house. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Although, although, he's, although I hope he will. He'll have to go tomorrow because he's not allowed to go on Thursday. So we'll have to make one last visit. Oh, you're getting locked down again, are you? We're we are. Yeah. Down again Thursday morning. Thursday at midnight. Yeah. So um, right. that's us, that's us again for a month. We hope. Yeah. Yeah. And how how are things that in that regard in in Seattle? They low are they? I mean, our numbers are high. The yeah. infection numbers are quite high. Um, but it's it's nice. I hear people talking about how they visited other states recently, hmm. and they're glad to get back to Seattle, where everybody's masked up. Yeah. Right. Everybody's socially distancing. We're taking it very seriously as a town, mm-hmm. um, which is great. Um, 
I recently went to Kauai for a week uh, because they had reduced their quarantine time. If you showed up with a uh, negative test result within the last 72 hours, you're allowed to go to Hawaii and, and roam okay. free. Okay. Um, uh, and it was it was like that there as well, super masked up, really conscious of social distancing, and they've had almost no cases whatsoever. But here, it's bad, man. There's a lot of... We're coming up on quarter of a million deaths I know. in this country. Yeah. I know, but um, you only have to look at the rallies to, to see... It's exactly true. Yeah. That's exactly how we see it, and yeah. and we're like, oh, we just can't believe what is happening. It's been a shit show for the last four years, but this year has really been overwhelmingly it's, it's like a horror film playing out 24 7 um, it is so it is. i think we we stand shoulder to shoulder on tonight's result yeah i mean god please god i mean obviously we're not gonna know today what yeah. the result is no. we'll, just, we'll get an idea though won't we it might be a bit of an idea but after last time everyone's too scared to even contemplate mm. him losing because he might not. Yeah, exactly. You know, this summer, my girlfriend and I, we did a four or 5,000 mile motorcycle trip. Mm. You know, every every other weekend, we'd go off on our motorbikes and do, mm. you know, 500 to 1,000 miles around the state of Washington. Right. You don't have to go far out of Seattle before the Biden posters turn into Trump posters. No, that's right. it. I want to be a bus, I want to be a big bus, I want to bust the world around, I want to be the biggest bus that ever bust the world around. I was going to ask you about your wonderful motorbike. Not that I know the first thing about bikes, <laughs> but it looks it looks fucking phenomenal. But, it you know, does. It is mental. It's <laughs> like uh, I was on a little Harley Sportster because I came to America, I'm going to get an American motorbike. And, <laughs> okay. and it was very very solid and hard and stiff and and looked great and then i moved to a triumph because i was like well i've i'm british a, uh, brand i'm british i'll have a triumph <laughs> yes uh and i felt all steve mcqueeny for a minute and then i was in palm springs at a birthday party and the birthday boy's best friend from college was gonna show up and he said oh he's on a motorbike I said, oh, yeah, what's he got? And he goes, I think it's a KTM. And I was like, I don't know what that is. Yeah. Right. And he couldn't find the house. His navigation wasn't working, but we could hear him trying to find the house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck is that? And then he finally showed up on this Super Duke. It's called a KTM Super Duke. And um, I was, I just didn't know what was happening it was like skateboarding and music all over again <laughs> right with like petrol and I, was like, I have to know how to operate that and i want, <laughs> I want that and um yeah about a year really? later i've, I've nice. got one oh, and i've never looked back it's just an incredibly well balanced beautiful and unusual motorcycle oh, it looks incredibly nice. liberating as well with his girlfriend on the back seat Looking for some action And they found it down the back It's like skateboarding for me Where in that you do it for yourself 
uh, and you're in control of yourself, mm. and you can do it on your own or with people. But you, mm-hmm. you've are put in a zen-like state of mind. Um, Pretty. And, and I absolutely love that. Yeah, it's it's my happy place. That is. And America's wow. great for motorcycling. It's beautiful. Well, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, 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 geographically, America's just spectacular. It's hard to that's beat, isn't it? Really. Yeah, that's the thing. Geographically, the countryside out here is astonishing. Yeah. The diversity is amazing. Mm. And despite how many, you know, people there are that you don't want to come into contact with all the time, <laughs> there are some terrific people out oh, here. Yeah. Smart, intelligent. Wonderful As a as little footnote, can you can you pick your favourite biking tune if you have one and your favourite skateboarding tune? What would oh. you what would you pick as the perfect soundtrack for those activities? Yeah, we'll put right we'll now. put them into the show. Yeah, we'll, we'll thread okay, them in right. somehow. Right now, I think if I was going to go skateboarding and have a proper good session, it would be a combination of Dead Kennedys and Beastie Boys. Wow, vintage! Um, None of your Sum yeah. Forty One. Uh, no, no yeah. Sum Forty One for me. No. Yeah, you wrote um, that. You, Sean, you wrote that down, didn't you? Sum Forty One. You don't know what the hell that is, do you? No, no. <laughs> our, our, <laughs> our eldest, no, honest, the kit. Our eldest lad was was massive on skateboarding you know he had we'd, oh, cool. we'd, we'd spend hours in the shops and and uh you know we'd be um he'd be throwing out all this lingo to us we didn't know what the hell he was talking about but he was into all this music and he, he got into kind of linkin park and some 41 yeah, yeah, yeah. he didn't really like blink which was a big relief for me so <laughs> yeah we, we we kind of had an influx of skate punk in the house for a while yeah Brilliant. And it was uh, yeah, it was okay, a bit nasally for me, but it it, it was yeah. fun. It was it was like grunge coming back. Do you know what I mean? And that was nineties punk, wasn't it? Yeah. biking tuning um when i'm on the bike i don't mind a little bit of prodigy actually mm. okay. um i work with the prodigy and, oh, yeah. and did you i'm on um yeah i'm on say hello terms with liam um okay. and i was very sorry to hear about keith um dying last year or the year yes, before yes. sure so sure yeah. real bummer um because they were all sweethearts they were lovely guys um Baby's Got a Temper was the name of the record, and it got banned everywhere, I mm. think, that one. Um, but it, it, it opened, you know, I was able to get to know them a little bit, just a little bit. Um, but I love I love some of Liam's music. It's mm. phenomenal for energy. Yeah. It's great. You can see me doing Pandora and Spotify and these apps that we have now that give us access to all these records, you know, and it, mm. yeah. it comes from the ether. And, like, and, uh, 
our corner albums. Otherwise, we would have had to go and buy them, you know. Right, so, exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> wonderful being able so, to just pluck things. And, yeah, and so my, apologies. We didn't buy them. We just got them, obviously, off the No, internet. don't buy them. But my my favourite app This is, is my plucking. I, this is the way I pluck things, Layla. I'm still... Yes, I could see that. You could see I'm, from I'm, behind me, yeah. I'm yeah. a little daunted by your collection back there. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's almost scary. Buckling um, under the weight. Yeah, yes, I was yes. going to say, one of my favourite apps that I have on my phone is an app called Shazam. Mm. Do you have oh, that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it recognises all those tunes, doesn't it? It recognises all the records, and it's essential business for when you hear something that you just aren't familiar with. You yeah. can just... And it adds it to your list of what you want to play next. And it's <laughs> just neat. I love technology. I love what technology <laughs> Me too, me too. Yeah. Just a, qu- a quick question from me, again, not for broadcast. My son is now a kind of a... Uh, a skateboarder he's 16 um he, he he's just taught himself really what, yeah can you give me a, a thing he can he can have a go at learning um i don't know even i wouldn't even know what level he's at but he's pretty good to me well yeah i mean the thing that the, the essential move is the ollie which i'm sure he's already got okay the ollie is where you jump and the board comes with your feet yeah, oh, yeah from, I, think he's, I think he's got that, yeah. So from that, I mean, basically, I, I mean, it's impossible to give you that answer without knowing where he is, level-wise. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I'd, I'd say just, you know, do some frontside grinds. Right, I'll write that down. don't know what the hell it means, but I'll write it down. No, Paul, I've got an even better idea. I'll send you a whole load of Tony Hawk's games. Uh, that he can play. That's where we learn our skateboarding vocabulary. Yeah. Sally and I oh, okay. are fluent in all that Ollie <clears throat> speak. I'm delighted Did, that both your kids are skaters. Um, they, well, they were. Me, they were. For me, it got me th- through adolescence and uh, um, just sort of shaped me into the person that I am today, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, right, right. Whether it's the graphics on the skateboards themselves leading me to explore the artistry of it and then the musical scene that was involved in people skating together mm-hmm. and, right. and the social... Um, aspect of it it really it it, i can't think of anything else that shaped me more than skateboarding and the lifestyle of skateboarding it's truly the thing that i would always be thankful for following and it was all me there was no unlike playing guitar which had already existed in my family (laughs) right no no one had skateboarded before yeah that that makes a lot of sense my discovery you know um and i can i totally get that it was a total miracle when I saw someone do their first ollie. Mm-hmm. The first time I ever saw someone ollie a skateboard, I was just, <laughs> how, what, what happened there? I need, I need that in my life. And it just led right. to everything. It right. really did. It led to everything in my life, I think. Skateboarding is beautiful. What a great way to finish, Lolo. It's been it, this has been a, such a laugh. It's been brilliant. Thank I've you. enjoyed myself. I hope you. Um, yeah, I hope it fills some time for you guys. Oh, fantastic! We don't fill I mean, time. We we put out inspirational um, uh, content. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're doing well. How many? Um, oh God, subscribers have you got? These 60, days? 60. Sixty. Oh wow! That's I know. We, it is incredible, isn't it? Yeah. The, la- the last person we interviewed was Tim Rice. That was good. Oh, cool. um, so and then and then we'll you know talk to uh, next week. 
uh, we're hoping to talk to a guy who was like a tape off at Strawberry. And we get all these wonderful different perspectives, you know. And it, it's, it, I guess it started about 10cc, but the whole thing kind of spreads out in yeah, a it's, way. And it's you're getting a nice no loose. longer, yeah, yeah, it's no longer just about the band. It's, it's just chatting to different people really it's well i can't place any particular examples right now but it's interesting for me to hear a perspective from people that were outside of my family you know right. they're, yeah. they're talking mm. about same similar situations and same time frames and same places mm-hmm. but it's from angles that i'd never heard before so it's great, you know, I, I, I enjoy that about your podcast. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thank you, Layla. Good luck tonight. That's all I'll say. Oh, yeah, thanks. May, may, may the force be with you. Yeah, we need it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're rooting for you. I, I tweeted a picture of the Trumpkin that we, that's been on our doorstep the last couple of nights. You did a Trumpkin? We did, with a, with a bottle of BS bleach. Amazing. I will send you a photo, Lalo. (laughs) Oh, you should smash that thing up. been listening to the consequences podcast produced by paul mcnulty and sean mccreevy thanks for listening